Chapter 21 Energy in Motion The opening quote for this chapter is by Thomas Hobbes. No man's error becomes his own law, nor obliges him to persist in it. While coaching executives, I was consciously motivated by the hope that their success would validate the means by which the world of business would be transformed. But I was caught off guard by the results of my coaching engagements, especially with Manny. Here I'd been invited to work with someone I'd known for years inside a company that I consulted with since its inception. And all I could think was, I'm finally on my way to being an instrument of change in the world of business. But as we proceed over the course of the year, no matter what approach we take, Manny only retreats from his self-limiting beliefs, his own personal prison. He seemed unable to address his core issues directly, and now sensing this might be a trend among the corporate ranks, I became despondent that any remedy existed to the problems of the workplace. It's not that clients did not find coaching to be a powerful tool for evoking transformation, but most seemed unable or unwilling to embrace the vulnerability that was necessary for them to free themselves from the fear that was enmeshed in the fabric of their personal, social, and corporate lives. Now, after having given it my best shot, only to find it made little impact, I had no idea where to go or how to proceed. Feeling I had failed, I surrendered to the possibility that transforming the world of business was nothing more than a pointless dream. Clearly, I must have been mistaken about all of it. Screw it, I said. I give up. Then, while feeling thoroughly disillusioned and completely out of ideas, without any fanfare or expectation as to what would come next, The truth about the fear that drives our lives is quietly revealed to me. It's everywhere, all around us. It's so pervasive that we've actually lost the ability to notice how it compels our every interaction, desire, and goal. We have become so accustomed to being in a constant state of fear, even as we travel through the minefield we have made of our lives, that it obscures our ability to discern reality while remaining invisible to us. Unaware of this, when confronted by the truth of our fearful existence, indignantly we attempt to deny how truly scared we are without realizing that every moment of our rudeness and disrespect, impatience and anxiety, doubt and guilt, comparing and jealousy, the need to be right or in a hurry, is evidence of its presence. For the first time, I understand that fear is the source, course, and goal of all our complaining and explaining, craving and aversion, anxiety and depression, anger and rage. It lives in the rhetoric of our religious leaders and educators and our policies of economics, business, medical practices and ways of government, and on and on. It seems that there is no corner of the human experience where fear has not successfully extended its reach. It was everywhere we want to be. And for this reason, there was no escape for any of us. We were all trapped. But... I didn't like this feeling of being trapped. Who does? And then that familiar feeling of discomfort, of being bound up, was my clue that there was something untrue about my conclusion and I really needed to figure out what it was. I wondered, what is the truth about this powerful motivator called fear and how has it come to function so insidiously in our lives? If truth is everywhere evident, there must be truth to this as well, even if it was hidden in plain sight. Perhaps knowing what it was would reveal the way through the minefield that had become our lives. Perhaps 
I'd only lost my way and was just now beginning to figure this out. It was through this very inquiry, nearly 40 years after my day on the bus, that I began to understand why I'd failed so miserably to make my escape. It wasn't simply because fear is a pre-existing condition that motivated our choices. The sad truth is that through our unawareness of it, we've perpetuated it. Not only has this practice denied us what we most desire from life, but has hijacked our ability to become free of its influence. We have become enslaved by a practice of fear that wields its power through the hidden belief that we can't be who we are and have what we want, which is the very antithesis of our purpose for being. Instantly, I realized that this is what I had recoiled from at the age of 17 that had been echoing in my consciousness ever since. The world of business isn't the process mankind is engaged in that has nothing to do with what life is about. It's our individual and collective practice of fear that functions as the glass wall that we keep banging our heads against even while it drives us towards the things we believe will make us safe, obscuring the fact that it is the very thing we wanted to be safe from. But what is the nature and substance of fear, I wondered. It's an emotion, I replied, which is an answer that I accept is true. And what is an emotion? In searching for the answer to this question, I applied the same strategy to uncover its truth as I had for responsibility, finding that the word contains E and motion. Now, the emotion part seems pretty clear to me because I know that the emotions I feel move me in some way to get up, take a walk, kiss my wife, when I move to laughter or tears, or when I feel my mood shift. But that is only half of it. What is the E part? While pondering this, I realized that the motion in emotion is a movement between the only two things that I know to exist, who I am and every other person, place, or thing. It was through this movement that emotion provides the connection between myself and everything else in life, which I experience on the basis of how I feel about it. Now, in order for something to move, it has to contain energy. The E part then has to do with that energy, the different qualities which I notice as feeling happy, sad, fearful, loving, grief-stricken, or guilty, etc., Each emotion we feel is but a description of the quality of the relationship that exists between ourselves and everything else. Satisfied with this conclusion, another instance comes to mind where E designates energy. It was Albert Einstein who stated that energy can neither be created nor destroyed, but can only change form. So, reminded of this, I realized the E referring to energy in E equals MC squared was the same E that was functioning in the word emotion. And emotion was energy in motion. Now we're getting somewhere. If energy cannot be created or destroyed, our energy in motion can also only change form as it moves from its different forms as love, hate, fear, compassion, sadness, anger, jealousy, but never leaves us. So you might be asking yourself, why does this all matter? It matters for the simple reason that humanity has unknowingly fed the emotional energy of fear every time it practiced non-acceptance and negate activity, which caused it to surge and pulse about us until a time would come when fed up and exhausted, we realized what we had created and our need to transform it. But for the most part, we are not awake to this. Instead, In our innocent ignorance, we continue to feed the same indestructible energies that in remaining unchanged, 
after thousands of years of violence, abuse, and suffering, we have fashioned our societies into prisons and its members into inmates. Are you beginning to see the scope of this problem we keep ignoring? If our popular culture tells us that the nature of life is change, and our historians that history repeats itself, why do we overlook the fact that what we think of as change is merely the illusion of it? Little has changed at all in the course of human history except for the times and places in which we repeat our ancient fear-based practices. While the players and forms appear different, the human condition of fear today continues to grow just as it has in the past. Could this be why Summer, Babylon, the Vedic and Mayan civilizations, Rome, Greece, Sparta, and the pharaohs of Egypt no longer exist? Were the writings of Plato's Atlantis and Homer's Iliad meant to warn us of the truth behind our self-destructive tendencies? Could the conflicts of England, Russia, China, Iraq, Iran, India, Pakistan, the USA, the Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban be the result of our historical addiction to fear? Isn't it obvious that we're repeating the same mistakes we have for eons by engendering destruction everywhere? Hey, don't take my word for it. Just consider why none of the most powerful civilizations of the past exist. What we will find is every system that perpetuates fear, whether consciously or not, has been destroyed for the simple reason that it is the most powerful, insidious, pervasive, and addictive of all practices. Again, it does not matter how large or small in design or operation. It alone resides at the heart of what threatens us. And for this reason, it doesn't matter whether our fear motivates a war on terror, drugs, cancer, crime, obesity, poverty, or pollution. It will never succeed. These are all negate activities that proceed from a profound misunderstanding regarding the nature of that which needs to be changed. Yet like children playing with loaded guns and sharp knives, we carelessly toss it about, unaware and often unconcerned of its effects on the individual, our societies, and planet. Seeing this clearly for the first time in my life, I was able to fathom the forces at work in the world, revealing why the solutions we seek to rescue us from the apparent abyss of our collective future will not succeed if implemented through our paradigm of fear. Wasn't it also Albert Einstein who once said that the definition of insanity was doing the same thing over and over again while expecting different results? Are we not insane then to insist on pursuing the same path knowing that whatever we create from our duress will remain until we make the choice to transform it. It won't matter how wonderful a technology or philosophy or how beautiful the eco-village or how green the business model. Not one will deliver what we seek until we implement solutions that are not motivated by the fear of the problems that face us. How then do we create the world we desire without perpetuating more of the things that compel us to make our escape? In light of the truth that for so long, fear has been the master of our lives, when we have been told that we cannot serve two masters, we must awaken gently. We do this by choosing love and not fear, as my friends so kindly advised me in the midst of my deepest pain and torment. Only in this way will we see how that which once before bound us is what actually gifts us with the energy and motion that when transformed through our acceptance becomes the agent of transformation for our world.